We are continuing our series on power to change as we take a look at lives that have been dramatically transformed by the Holy Spirit. We're looking in the book of Acts in particular, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 8. We're going to take a look at Philip and uh, as he ministered to the Ethiopian man. Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 26. You know, uh, a few years ago, it was always a turn of the pages, and now it's just like a little click of an app, right? Sometimes there's pages, sometimes there's hitting of the phone, but however you have your word, we have it on the screen above you. Let's dig in here this morning. This is what it says. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go to the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. Let's just pause there for a second. Stephen had just been stoned. He was one of the early Christian leaders. Uh, there was this tremendous persecution now that was ramping up against this new uh, found movement called the Way, which basically was the birth of the Christian church. Acts chapter 2 had happened. The Holy Spirit fell. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit with power, with tongues. And now the message of hope in Jesus was beginning to spread. But the enemy did not want this to spread. And so uh, now there was tremendous persecution through the Pharisees and through the Roman government, and they were locking up Christians. They were, they were basically torturing them. Some of them were being put to death. So they were dispersing. But you know, God works all things together for good, doesn't he? Romans eight twenty eight. Because they dispersed, the message was going beyond the borders, out of Jerusalem, into Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts and yet there were certain safe places you could go and some not so safe. And I don't know about you, but the open desert where you're exposed is maybe not the safest place when you're trying to hide out. And yet Philip obeyed. It says, so he rose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come up to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. <clears throat> so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who would declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but unless you were raised in church or had some sort of biblical understanding, that would probably be a confusing pastor scripture as well. The sheep being led, opened not his mouth. What are we talking about here? So this man was confused as to the meaning. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came near some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch and he went down to the water and he baptized him. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. He baptized them. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. 
But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for the next few moments. Open up our hearts, O God. Open up our spirits. Help us to have a teachable spirit, and then willing hands and willing feet to put uh, action to our faith, to practice what we preach, to apply these principles in a practical way each day that we would live pleasing to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is an interesting account here. And of course, we know culturally, uh, during that time in the king's court, uh, basically these certain male subjects would have a certain operation done so that there would be no threat of any hindrance to the queen, of trying to make advances to uh, the harem that belonged to the king or queen. And yet this particular man had a high position and we're going to get into this this morning as we look at this power to change. And number one is this, be willing to obey God even when you don't know why. Anybody ever been in that predicament? You don't know why he's asking you to do something or why he's directing you a certain way or prompting you in your heart to do a certain thing, but you just can't get away from that nagging feeling. And uh, when we are willing to obey, great things can happen, but we don't always understand why. Years ago, we were pastoring in Washington State. Uh, I am a dual citizen, as you know. And we were in Washington and the, the city of Des Moines, which is about 20 minutes south of Seattle. It's a suburb of Seattle, near Kent and Federal Way, right off of I-5. And it was the first church that I pastored. We pioneered the church. We inherited this old building that had been shut down dormant. And uh, we were selected by the district to go and launch a brand new work. So my first pastorate, and it happened to be a, a restart, or basically a replant, if you will. So we had a building, but no people. And this building was nasty. I mean, the rats had run through there. We had to bring an exterminator in. It was big. It was about the same size as this building. Sat about 350 people, had a balcony, the old-fashioned pews. And, uh, but rats had run through, and we had to get it cleaned up. There was room after room, and our classrooms full of junk. At one time in the 70s, they had a Christian school, and, uh, and so it ran good for a while, and then after a couple decades, that shut down. Well, they just left all this stuff in there. So we had desks and files and, and all kinds of garbage. We rented a, a big old uh, disposal uh, container, basically. It was a dumpster from SeaTac Disposal, parked in the back of the truck, and with our kids in tow, uh, Spencer was just basically a baby at that time so he was in my kid backpack anybody ever had that kid backpack you know it's it's kind of like a knapsack but you put a child back there and then our other son Coulter was about two and a half or three and my wife and I by ourselves one Saturday went load after load I can't remember what day it was but maybe a Saturday who really cares but all I know is that we worked like all day packing load after load filling up this dumpster because again, we didn't have the people then, so they sent us. And uh, there was a church in Kent that was kind of our covering church. So I got to work out of their office for the first few months while we had volunteer teams come and help to renovate the building. But it needed a lot of work, siding, paint, cleaning out the garbage. Uh, they had purchased some carpet uh, before our time, and it was in a, a uh, storage unit, but it never got installed. So we had the carpet installed, and we cleaned up the bathrooms, we cleaned up the foyer, we cleaned up the offices. And the day came, we launched, and we did a, 
a promotional thing in the area, and you know, the Lord started to bring in the people. And within a couple of years, praise the Lord, we had over 100 people at that church. So he allowed it to grow. But man, we worked hard. And so we had put our heart and soul, blood, sweat, and tears into this church, getting it up and running. And pretty soon, you know, God was bringing us leaders. And that's another whole story. I'll share that at another time. But by this time, we had been going for maybe over a year, and the congregation was, was moving, and things were happening. And I remember one day I was in the foyer, and uh, I had this jade green, this dark green, really rich-looking carpet up there. And we had somebody, actually, I was mowing the lawn for the first year, and then I think somebody came and helped us after that. And I looked out of the foyer into the church lawn that we worked so hard to manicure and make it look nice, and there was a couple of teenagers with a shovel, and they started digging a hole. Digging a hole like right across the parking lot near the tree. And I think, what are you doing? And uh, they didn't know that I was in there, that I saw them, but I spotted them. And so I, I quickly started walking, kind of like those speed walkers. You're not quite running, but you're doing one of these, you know. Come on, get over there. And I was like heading towards them quickly. And I went through, and, and I, I walked out. I didn't yell at them, but I was not happiness. Uh, excuse me, guys, what are you doing? This is church property. Why are you digging a hole? And I didn't understand what the context was until they filled me in, and one of them said, well, my cat just died. And we live in the apartments next door, and we don't really have a yard. We were hoping we could bury it here in the churchyard. <laughs> well, you got to be... Showing some grace and love there, right? I mean, this is when love is in action. Said, okay, I'll let you bury your cat. That's fine, but let's just not dig any more holes, okay? And they buried it and laid their little kitten to rest there. But see, unless you have a context and you understand why, then it's pretty frustrating. And so many times we're like, we don't understand why is God asking me to do this, but he has the big picture. He can see down the road ahead of you and he does work all things together for our good. Romans 8, 28. For those called to, his, uh, to serve him, right? For those who love him and are called to his service. So if you're not living for God, maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you that it's the very best life you can live. Because then you get his hand upon you. You get his providential hand upon your life. And he's guiding and directing you. And he is there to do wonderful things in and through you. So we need to be willing to obey him even when we don't know why. The angel of the Lord instructed Philip to go travel down the desert road to Gaza. The Gaza Strip is a highly contested piece of real estate today. If you watch the news, if you're into geopolitics, and uh, you know it's one where there's a lot of, unfortunately, unrest happening there. But at this time, it was there and it was accessible. And he said, go down to the desert. But again, this was during this time of heightened persecution. And if you're Philip, you might be thinking, hmm, there's not a lot of buildings out there. It's all exposed. All they got to do is take a, you know, a, a squadron of Roman soldiers, and I could be spotted. It's hard to hide behind a cactus, right? Maybe I want to go in the city. I want to go get somewhere else, flee the area altogether. But the angel said, no, go to Gaza. And he obeyed. So the fact that he did, God used him in an extraordinary way. But this begs the question, why do we sometimes resist God? You ever ask yourself that question? 
Why do you resist? Maybe you read a scripture because this is the logos, this is the, the spoken word. Uh, the Bible says in Timothy that it's basically, it's the authoritative, inspired word of God, profitable for instruction, for reproof, for doctrine, for correction. All the answers to life are in this Bible. Do you believe that? I truly believe it. How to raise your kids, how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, how to be successful uh, in your job, how to be faithful and committed and true and be a person of integrity. It's all in here. All the answers that we need are in the book. So let's read the instruction manual, right? Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. Uh, anybody ever put together Ikea furniture? Yeah, it's not a fun job, is it? You want to have that little instruction thing there. We bought two big arm wires uh, when we were living in Surrey and uh, because we got to our townhome we lived in and the closet was just basically enough for my wife's clothes, but there was not enough for me and her to coexist in that closet. You know what I'm talking about, ladies? And, and this is not a stereotype. It's just, at least in our case, women sometimes tend to have a few more articles of clothing than men do. Not all the time. Men can be a clothes horse too, but in our situation, and for what I've observed in my life, usually women have a few more clothes than men. And so I gave her the closet. And so um, I was like using the one across in the guest room and kind of walking. Well, let's just get an armoire. We bought two armoires. They were big. And one we kept before we moved here and the other one we sold on Facebook Marketplace. But my sons helped me and we put together this thing. But without the instructions, it would have been a little bit longer job and less enjoyable uh, than it was with the instructions. But then we can build it the right way when we follow the instructions. That's the Bible. Build your life upon Christ and his truth. So why do we resist them? Well, here's a few things I want to just present to you. Sometimes it might be inconvenient. I just don't want to talk to my neighbor right now. I don't want to, you know, show love to my coworker. The guy is so annoying. He won't shut up. Yeah, I'll love him. I'll love him with a brick. You know, it's like I don't want to show kindness to him. And the Holy Spirit is prompting you and prodding you. You need to go and reach out. There's a reason why he's angry. There's a reason why he's mean. He's got problems. But it's inconvenient. Or maybe it's uncomfortable. Or maybe it just doesn't seem logical. I, you know, why? And, and Philip could have asked these same questions. Why go to Gaza? What's out there? It's the desert. I want to go hide in the city somewhere. But he said yes. And when he said yes, God used him. How many know that God will use you and bless you when you are willing to obey? Amen? There's a blessing that comes to obedience. That's what uh, Proverbs 28, 20 says. The faithful person shall abound with many blessings. So we miss out when we resist, but we can receive when we say yes. Here's some examples of things that don't make sense in the Bible. Just a few, just to uh, recount, if you will, jog your memory. Moses holding out a staff in front of the Red Sea. I mean, here's the Egyptian army plowing down, bearing down on you. Here's the Israelite army, untrained people, you know, your, your peasants, your farmers, they've been slaves and they finally got released out of Egypt and they're out there in the wilderness and the Red Sea and they're coming down and you think, okay, what's our strategy? What's our tactics? Well, hold out this staff over the Red Sea and see what happens. That does not make sense. Nothing is going to happen in the natural but in the supernatural, God honored obedience and the sea parted. How about Joshua and the Israelites walking around the walls of Jericho? How idiotic does that sound? Let's be honest. God said, no, trust me, just walk around. 
And on this, you know, the last time, we're going to have a mighty shout. Oh, that's great, but shouldn't we get some pickaxes or siege ramps or, you know, a trebuchet, a catapult? We got to get up and over that wall. We got to, you know, I'd love to shout and sing too, but this is not really warfare. It doesn't make sense, but God knows what's going to happen. Amen? So be willing to obey even if it doesn't make sense because he has the master plan. Number two, be willing to take the first step to connect with others. That first step. Years ago, Bill Hybels uh, wrote a book called Just Walk Across the Room. You know, it's interesting that Philip was instructed to go near the chariot, but you notice that says he ran. He didn't just kind of saunter up, okay. No, if God says it, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it wholeheartedly. And he ran to the chariot. And then, rather than wait for something to happen once he got there, he heard the man reading from the book of Isaiah. You know, he took stock of what was happening, and he, he initiated the dialogue. He said, do you understand what you're reading? He could have just waited. Okay, I'm here, God. I've done my part. Wait for something to fall out of the sky. Sometimes we say, well, you know, I'll obey the Lord, but, you know, he's got to do it all. Well, no, he's called us to put action to our faith, amen? And to use wisdom, to use discernment. I believe that Philip was very discerning. He arrived there, he didn't just walk, he ran, he was happy to obey the Lord, and once he got there, he discerned that here's an opportunity, there's a man reading the Bible and he doesn't understand, so let's take the opportunity, let's strike while the iron's hot. Let's seize the day, carpe diem. He said, so do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, how can I? You know, do you understand? And he asked him, and it initiated this communication, this dialogue with this gentleman so that he can come to know the Lord. You know, sometimes we want to sit around and wait for something to happen. Um, when I was in Bible college, I took a course, and it was about uh, evangelism. It was an evangelism course. And the assignment at the end of the semester was this. Everybody had to go and share a presentation of the gospel with somebody that you don't know. I don't think it could just be your brother or your friend or your roommate. Go share it with a stranger. At least that's how I took it. And how many have ever shared the gospel with a stranger? You don't have to raise your hand, but some of you, yes. Some of you, maybe no. It can seem kind of scary, kind of daunting. And yet, I like the quote, witness all the time, use words if necessary. How many know that we witness daily by the things we say and do? Amen? But that doesn't let us off the hook, though. If God gives you an opportunity and puts you in a position, we should be willing to speak up for the Lord. And, and you're the only Jesus that some might ever see you in their life in that circumstance. But we were young, and I was in Bible college, and basically it was part of the grade. We're not just going to encourage you to do it. If you want to fail the class, don't. If you want to pass the class, do. And so like any good Bible college student, I waited through the whole semester and procrastinated until the night before the assignment was due. How dumb was that? But, you know, we're young. So I did the other stuff, the written assignments, the daily work, but the big assignment, share your faith, and I think you had to then write it down and document it or something. I can't remember. But I waited till the night before, and so finally I said, now I have to go find somebody to share. I do not recommend this strategy at all. Uh, build a bridge, get to know somebody, build a friendship, build a platform to speak into their lives. But I didn't do that. And so sure enough, it was, it was in Kirkland. I was attending Northwest University, which was the Assemblies of God 
uh, university for training people for the ministry. And uh, so I was in Kirkland, which is another suburb of Seattle. And I walked downtown that night. And it was kind of crazy. Here I was. I'm on the prowl looking for somebody to share Jesus with. I'm like on the hunt. You know, it's like totally the wrong way to do anything. But I'm going to find somebody, whether they like it or not. Man, I'm going to share Jesus. And, and you're going to listen. And uh, I just got to find some poor sap that will let me talk to them for five minutes. So I walked down. First of all, there was a, a public ball field there. They're having a, a ball game for kids. And, and I kind of hung around there. And there's some parents in the stand. And and uh, looking for somebody, but they're all engaged in the game. They're too busy, and it was awkward. Well, this is not a good place. Kind of creepy if you think about it, right? Who's this guy wandering around looking at us? So I left there, and I figured, let's go right downtown to Kirkland. And Kirkland's not a big town. It's, it's a suburb, but like any city, it has its nicer area and not-so-nice area. And I went down where they had the bars, and sure enough, out of the bar comes stumbling this poor guy, inebriated, and uh, just barely able to stand, I thought, ah, I've got my target. You're mine, buddy. You're going to hear about Jesus. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but you're going to hear about him. And so I walked up to this fella, and he was kind of staggering. I said, hey, how you doing? Uh, I just you know, want to share you about Jesus and that he loves you and, and he can save you. And I started to give him my little spiel. And he looked at me, and I don't know if it was the alcohol or if it was something that he saw discerned, but he said, I can see right through you. And that kind of freaked me out, to be honest with you. I said, wow, what's going on here? But I went ahead and shared and gave him the salvation plan and uh, kind of bid farewell and left. And I doubt that anything really happened. Seeds were planted, maybe. Now, I will say since then I've had the opportunity to share many more times than that, and uh, did it a better way. But why do we resist? We resist, we procrastinate, but I will say at least I was willing to finally take a step. But there's ways we can do it properly, where we, again, build a platform, build a friendship, be intentional how we get to know people. Amen? Be intentional. Get to know your neighbors. Engage in conversation with the person at the restaurant. When you order that Red Robin Royal Burger from Red Robin with the egg that flows over, it's my favorite. Uh, smile at the waitress and, and say, thank you. How you doing? You having a good day? Don't just get a tunnel vision with the person you're talking to. Look around and be willing to engage with others. Be willing to take the first step to connect with others. Philip was willing to do that. He obeyed the Lord, but he also... God didn't give him every little piece of instruction. He gave him the broad strokes, right? Go there. And he did. And then he discerned and looked and saw the opportunities. Just like Abraham, go to the land I'm going to show you. Well, Abraham still had to kind of figure things out, but God sometimes gives us the broad strokes. But we have to discern the details, and the Holy Spirit helps us with that too. He guides and directs us every step of the way. Sometimes churches are maybe not as friendly as we intend to be because we're not willing to take that first step. Maybe we're not willing to get out of our, our holy huddle. And we just want to just challenge. This is a pretty friendly church, and you have been so gracious and kind to us, and we are loving getting to know our new church family. But every church, especially those who aren't friendly, and even those who are friendly, we have to remind ourselves to be proactive and take the first step when people come through our doors. Amen? 
We can't just walk to the doors and, oh, good, there's Bob, there's, there's Larry, there's Pete, and we all of a sudden just right away, we, yes, we want to hang out with each other. We look forward to seeing our, our Christian friends, our brothers and sisters, and, and we like to reconnect and we get energized and, and we have a good time. But what about those who come to the doors and they kind of wander around the back, they don't know anybody, and they find a corner to sit down somewhere. Are we willing to walk across the room and take that step, say, hi, how you doing? I'm Scott. Man, I'm so glad you're here. Are you from the area? You know, be proactive. Maybe it's not your nature. I know there's type A personalities. The real outgoing one, there's type B personalities, more shy, more quiet. But we can all show kindness and love in our own way. Amen? So we want to be that warm, loving, inviting church. We were talking about this in our board meeting, and it was a good conversation that we had Uh, my first board meeting with our wonderful team here at Prince George, that we want to be that church that loves people when they come to the doors, right? Don't worry about what they look like or maybe even smell like. You know what? We catch them, God will clean them, amen? It's like fishing. Just be fishers of men. God changes us from the inside out. And we're all just sinners saved by grace. None of us are worthy of anything. It's only by his grace and love, amen? So, this is the kind of church we want to be. We want to invite people. I hope that people will come in and they don't look pretty. I hope we get people coming to these doors that they have problems. They have issues. Maybe they're living in lifestyles that we know are sinful. But let's let the Holy Spirit do his work. Amen? And, uh, you know, let them come through and show them love. And then, yes, we're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to preach God's word. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to move. But God changes us and transforms us from the inside out. We're talking about power to change, and the Holy Spirit is that power to change. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So take the first step. Connect with others and love them to Jesus. Number three this morning, finally. Be willing and ready to share the truth and show that love to anyone. This echoes what we were just talking about, but I want to develop it a step more. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Now, how do we be prepared? We know what to do, spending time daily with the Lord. Amen? Wait upon the Lord, Isaiah says. He will renew your strength. Prayer, praise, and the word. Can we say that with me? Let's say prayer, praise, and the word. One more time. Prayer, praise, and the word. You do that every day. You're going to get strengthened and empowered and ready to go and shine for Jesus, to live for Jesus, to share your faith. And it's going to put you in the right context. If we haven't been spending time with him, then we kind of forget who we are and what we're called to do sometimes. And it's easy to get off track. It's easy to make mistakes. Oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But when we're prayed up every day, we remember who we are, that we are a child of God, that we are ambassador for Jesus Christ. And that we're called to shine our light and be salt and light to a lost and dying generation. So Philip was happy to share God's truth and love with this man. Regardless of several things. And Philip was a Jewish man. Now let's remember, you know, in every culture there can be bigotry sometimes. Unfortunately. But, you know, the the Jews, they didn't like the Samaritans during that time. The Samaritans were uh, kind of an intermixed race. And plus, they had changed the doctrine. I mean, you know, there's doctrinal differences. So that's why the story of the Good Samaritan is such a wonderful story for us. Show love. But Philip was willing to go and and share truth and love to this man, regardless of his skin color. He was a black man. 
regardless, regardless of his physical condition, he was a eunuch. And, and regardless of his social standing, which he might have been daunted by this, he was a high government official from Ethiopia. So Philip might have said, man, this guy, he's a government official. I don't have the right words. I'm not equipped. You know, I, I'm not worthy. So regardless of all these things, how many know that God loves us all and we all need a Savior? Amen? We're all equal to for the cross. So he didn't let any of those things stop him. I don't care your social standing, your race, your color, your language, uh, you know, uh, what you look like, what you sound like. And, and none of that stuff matters. God loves you as he loves me, and he's called me to go share his truth and love with you, and I'm going to do it. Praise the Lord for people like Philip. Amen? Praise the Lord. We all need to be people like that. We all need to be people who loves everybody equally and is willing to minister to everybody in the same way. Amen? If you believe that's the kind of church we want to be, say amen. amen. Loving everybody. My vision for this church is to be a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, spirit-led congregation on fire for God. If you believe that, say amen. amen. I'm excited about it. I hope you are too, because I believe it's coming. So be ready. Oh, well, I didn't expect those guys to show up. Well, expect it, because God loves us all. And we want this place full of people praising God. And we want this place to be a place that's a safe haven for sinners to come and learn who their Savior is and be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're all sinners saved by grace, and He loves us all equally. Be willing and ready to share truth and show love with anyone and everyone that He puts in your path, because that's the heart of God. That's the heart of Jesus. Could we all stand this morning? Let's all stand. And worship team, if you could come and join me. And I'm going to ask Jason to just begin playing that song that he played. We've got a couple of songs for you. But as we bow our heads and close our eyes, I've got a, just a little question for us. And in a moment, we're going to pray specifically for the dads. But before we do that, I want to give us all an opportunity to respond. And with nobody looking around, please, heads bowed and eyes closed. Just as the band begins to play, if you're here to say, Pastor Scott, to be honest with you, you touched on something that spoke to me. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me this morning. Are you willing to obey even when you don't understand what it is he's calling you to do? Are you willing to say yes? When the Holy Spirit prompts you in your heart, he's that still small voice prompting you to do the right thing. If you've been struggling with that this morning, I encourage you to surrender that. Maybe you've been struggling to take that first step because it's inconvenient or it's uncomfortable or it's illogical. But you know that he's prompting you to reach out to that person in your life. All of us have a circle of influence. Our family, our friends, our coworkers, those around us. And so are you willing to? And finally, that last point, are you willing to share love with everyone that God puts in your path? Not just those that you're used to, maybe those that you're not used to. Are you willing to share that love? If he's spoken to you about any of these things, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray, and we're going to dedicate this and commit this to God. Amen. Slip it up. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You see, these are the hearts and lives that God is going to use. These are the vessels. 
And I trust that all of us have that same heart and intention. Lord, use us. We know that he desires to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And he's called us to be workers in the harvest fields of souls. They're all around us, folks. Prince George is full of people that need Jesus. Are we willing to be harvesters in the field of souls? I'm going to pray for you this morning. And as we do, I want you to agree with me. If you raise your hand, you commit this to the Lord right now. But let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, we thank you right now that, Lord, that you love us. And that the gospel is for everyone. Lord, we're all missionaries. You were the first missionary, Jesus. You came from heaven to earth. That's a great distance to save mankind. And Lord, you've called us to be missionaries in our Jerusalem, which is Prince George, and our Judea, our, our local area in Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth as we can support those who go to other places. Lord, we're all called to be soul winners for you. But Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us. And Lord, for those that raise your hands, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the commitment, Lord, and, and for the acknowledgement that maybe we're not doing things the way we should, but I want to be fully obedient to say yes to you, O God. Jesus, we want to say yes to you, dear Lord. We commit everything to you. We surrender all to you, Jesus, to serve you, to obey you, to follow you, and to be used of you. So I pray, dear Lord, that you would empower us, anoint us, Strengthen us by your spirit, O oh God. Hallelujah. Jesus, use us to live for you and shine for you and to reach out to others who need your truth and love. And now I want to pray a special prayer for the dads. Lord, I pray right now for all the fathers that are here, God. Lord, you know that it's not easy to be a father. It's not easy to be a mother. It's not easy just to serve you in general at times, but you give us the strength. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And Lord, we thank you for your direction through your word. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit in us. I pray a special blessing upon all the dads here, dear Jesus. Lord, that you would bless them and strengthen them and encourage them and use them to lead by example, oh God. Use them, dear Lord, to stand up for you, to raise their sons and daughters, to be an influence to their grandchildren. Lord, that they would lead in such a way that the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Help us to do that today as fathers, dear Jesus, we pray. Bless them, we pray. Strengthen them, and we honor them, and we thank you for them. Praise your name. We're going to lead this song as Jason leads us, I Surrender. And I encourage you to make this a prayer of your heart. Jason, lead us this morning, if you would.